I'm not preaching today. I'm just up here for a couple of minutes. How many of you were not here last week? Okay, there you go. And I think most of those people I sent, maybe, maybe I missed you, a video of last week's sermon that John preached. And if I didn't, and, or if I did and you didn't watch it, it's worth watching. John preached on a topic, enjoying God. I've never heard that said quite that way before, enjoying God. And you know, here's the problem with the good news of the gospel. Even the good news has a problem, and it's that, you know, the gospel means good news, but we can't preach it all at once. And there's so much to it, and there's such a vast truth in God's word, but we can only pick little parts of it and talk about it on a Sunday morning. And as long as you live, God's going to be revealing more and more and more of himself to you, and more and more about himself, and more and more of the goodness of his kingdom, and more and more how you can walk in it. But John picked one thing that he could preach on in 30 minutes. And see, you can only preach really what I would say a little thimbleful at a time. And there's this vast ocean, but we're throwing out a thimbleful. But I think his message was a very important thimbleful. And, you know, Easy and I have talked for years about how the Christian walk is like a big wagon wheel. And picture this big wagon wheel, and there's spokes. And then there's a hub, the very center of it. And maybe one spoke is faith, and you need to get developed in your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. One spoke is the gifts of the Spirit, and you need to understand what the gifts of the Spirit are and how good God is and, and how he operates in that way. And then there's the fruit of the Spirit, because we don't want just power and no purity and, and no fruit. And then there's angels and demons. But then if you get off on that one spoke too long, you get weird. And then there's spiritual warfare, because that is a part of the Christian walk. There is spiritual warfare that you will have to wage this warfare, but God has victory for you. There's prosperity and provision. And you have people that that's all, they go, they go to every conference on prosperity and provision. But then in these other areas, they're sadly lacking. And so there's all these spokes of the Christian walk to bring balance. Jesus is the center, however. He's the hub. It always has to come back to him. And these are all facets of him and what he has for us. But if we center on any one spoke too long, my husband used to say, you know, if you look at a wagon wheel and you have one spoke that's longer than all the others, you're in for a bumpy ride. We don't want a bumpy ride for anybody. You know, Cammie preached on renewing the mind and right thinking. That's another part of it, transformation. So there's all these, we must have balance in the Christian walk. Now, John said when he preached that the Father separated himself from Jesus on the cross so that we would not have to be separated. And something about when he said it, the way he said it, you know, we can be in church. We can sing on the worship team. We can lead a Bible study. We can be in the prayer meeting, and we can be teaching our kids at home about the Lord and still in some ways be separated from God more than we realize. We really can. And, you know, I've taught probably a hundred times because I teach on blood covenant and their tabernacle, and I've taught it many times. And I've taught so many times how the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom when Jesus died, the very hand of God ripping the veil so that the keep out veil now said, come in, that there was no separation anymore between us and God. The veil was four inches thick. It was 30 by 60. Two team of mules couldn't pull it apart. And yet when Jesus died, it was split. From top to bottom, the holy of holies where only the high priest can come in, and now we can come in. I've taught that. But when John said that sentence, something in me went, whoa. There's some areas that I've forgotten that. I'm not walking in that. I know that, but I'm not experiencing that. And so 
you know, the scripture says, who can separate us from the love of God? Can famine or distress or persecution or, you know, what can, well, sometimes we do. Sometimes we separate us from the love of God. It's there and we mentally know it, but we're not hiding in it. We're not resting in it. We're not making that our refuge. And I've even said, you know, when I was first born again, I was sitting under a Bible study teacher, and I remember she said these words, when Jesus died, first person, face-to-face, communication with God was restored to us. And so I've said that many times over my life when I teach. But when John preached, I realized that in spite of knowing all that, I've got to press in more and allow that to become more of a reality in my life. Because when things get hard, see, you're not enjoying your circumstance. You're not enjoying that job situation. You're not enjoying that family crisis. You forget to enjoy God. And that's when he wants you to come into him. Because if nothing else is enjoyable, he still can be. And you can still come close to him. I taught about two months ago, March 28th. And my topic was one thing, one thing, how one thing can change everything. But to be honest, this one thing that John preached on, I think is something we need to stay on for another minute. You know, people can go, wow, ooh, that sermon, it meant so much to me. And three weeks later, I'll go, what was that sermon about? Uh, uh, okay, I know it was really good, and I know it spoke to me. And I go, spoke what? And they can't really quote it. And so we're going to stay just a little longer on that spoke. And I've asked John to share a little bit more, and God gave him a little bit more about that topic. And so I don't want us to be short on that spoke, the intimacy with God, our closeness with him, our oneness with him, and the fact that there should be no separation ever. So John, come on up. Lena asked me to just share a little bit more if I had anything. I didn't really have a part two, but I started, God started giving me just a little bit about withdrawing. Uh, if you weren't here, just, just to summarize it, God just doesn't want to be the God that helps us make right, wise decisions or teach us to prophesy or lay hands on the sick. Or If you look at the life of Jesus, you see so many signs, wonders, miracles, and power, but the Bible says he often withdrew to a desolate place, and I think that's what we miss. That really was the center of his life. The Father, the Son, the Spirit were always one. It said, let us make man in our image. The Word of God is infallible. Translations aren't. There is no one infallible translation. I know some of you King James people probably don't you know, want to crucify me or whatever. But, and they translate the word God. But really, it's Adonai for Lord, Elohim, which is actually plural. So in the beginning, God, it's actually the three. And they were always one. They were always one. And so, and there's a, and there's a it's a, it's a, it's something we don't really understand. You can't, all the examples you've heard, and yet they're individual. Only the Father knows when the Son is to come back again. He says even the Son doesn't know. So there is a difference, a distinction, but a oneness. We don't understand it, but we're not divine. We're not divine. And so I want to look at uh, the, Matthew 14, and Jesus withdrew. It says, after John was beheaded, the Bible says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. So he didn't go there to pray for John to be resurrected. He went there to be with the Father. So when we're in pain, where do we go? When we're hurting, where do we go? We talked about it in worship. We have, people have their own refugees. God wants to be our refuge where we go to him in all circumstances. Amen. They followed him on foot. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. So they found him and he healed them. 
And as and then his disciples, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So man was telling God what to do. And we do that and we call it prayer. God, I need you to do this, this, and this, and saying, Lord, what do you want to do? Because it was a deserted place. And in another gospel, in the same things, it says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. So the disciples were looking at where they were at, not who they were with. So when you are in any circumstance, in any situations, a lot of times we want to pray for the circumstances to change, forgetting who we're with in the circumstances. Because it was a deserted place. There is no provision here, Jesus, in this deserted place. Not realizing Jesus is God. And with God, there is always provision for you. There's hope for you. There's life for you. There's grace for you. There's mercy for you. Because we pray for the situations and the circumstances to change. God, send them away so they can go get fed somewhere else because you're not able. Go give them rest because you're not able. And the sun was going down. It was late. Now, I've made bread before, and it takes time for the bread to rise in the yeast and to go fishing and get the fishes. But Jesus took time, and it was an instant. Things began to multiply. So in, in that situation, in that deserted place, there was, Jesus took what, what could take a long time because he says, you need to go here. You need to go here to get your resources and say, you're God. They didn't go, Lord, what do you want to do? No, Lord, you need to do this. We do that in prayer. I do that. God, I need you to change this circumstance. And say, God, what do you want to do? Lord, change this person at work. Change this person. Instead of saying, God, what do you want to do? John, I want to change you. Because here's the truth. I really want to be different. I've been a Christian for a long time. And if you could see my Christian walk, you would see a timeline. But I really want to be different. And to be different, I need to withdraw to the quiet place with him. If I look at the life of Jesus and only look at the signs, wonders, and miracles, I'll say, okay, because he does not want to be the God that just teaches us how to get out of difficult circumstances. He does not want to be the God that teaches you what business to start or win. He does not want to be the God just to tell you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know. The Bible says when we get to heaven, we will know him as we are known. God did not make the man so he could tend the garden. He gave man a task. Jesus said this. He says, greater works will you do. But what he didn't say is you could have my position with the Father. And I, this whole, these last two weeks has really, I just felt the, the heart of God. Uh, when I say the heart of God, it's not like, oh, I have his full heart. I just felt the sense, the thought of God is so many times in the Christian walk, it can be from battle to battle to battle to battle. And it's like the Solomon, Solomon, he says, come away, my love, come away with me and know me. Because those circumstances in the desolate place, maybe those situations won't change. But what does need to change is we realize who we're with, not just where we're at. Because Jesus often withdrew himself. Now, withdrawing is not avoiding or hiding. Because a lot of people avoid or hide from people. So this is not about extrovert or introvert. You know, like, oh, I'm just like Jesus. I withdraw from people. No, you just don't want to be around people. You know, or you don't want to help or you want to serve. So withdrawal is like my name was in the basket and I withdrew my name. So you, Jesus ministered to people more than anybody, right? But he often withdrew himself to be with the Father because he understood that oneness. Now, the Father was always with him. But there is something different about losing all the distractions and the people. And he, Jesus never let needs or man dictate his walk. Jesus, 
you need to do this. Jesus, if you read the Gospels, they'll say, even like his brothers, go way over here. The disciples are like, Peter says, you'll never be crucified. Or, so we don't know everything he does. Therefore, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? Not God, just do this. And we use the name of Jesus like a rubber stamp. Name of Jesus, name of Jesus, name of Jesus. But really, when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're saying this is what Jesus wants at this moment. Praying with the name of Jesus is not saying, just saying the name of Jesus. Praying in the name of Jesus is saying, this is God's desire on the earth at this moment right now and has the power and authority to change those situations. Amen? So Jesus withdrew often. And that's why the disciples said, teach us to pray, because those around him the most, they didn't say, teach us to preach, teach us to lay hands on the sick, teach us to cast out demons. They said, Lord, teach us to pray, because those that were closest to him could see that was the power of his life. Now, when I say prayer, I'm not just talking about asking for things. There's different types of prayer. We don't have time to go into it, but everybody thinks prayer is asking, 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 asking. No, prayer is communication. Prayer is talking. It's just say, so conversation. So we talk, he talks. No one wants to be around someone that just does all the talking. And God has children like that. Lord, I need this, you need this, you need this, I need this. I need you to send the people away. It's dark, it's late, it's this and this. And he goes, and Jesus, in that desolate place, it was not desolate when God's there. We don't need to look at just where we're at, but who we're with. We're with God in all those situations. And Jesus withdrew for no distractions, no input, no other people. It was just him and the Father. Amen. So when we withdraw, we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit because we have access to him. But what we do is, is we just live life, and circumstances can drain us. This can drain us, that can drain us, and we need wisdom, okay? And God will give us wisdom. But the Bible says, Paul says, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation come on you, that you may know him, not so you just make good decisions, not so you just live a good life, not so you know how to start a business, not so you know what city to live in or what country to live in or what clothes to buy or who to marry or how many kids, not just those decisions, because God is just not a means to an end. And so many people around the world pray to God to have something change instead of just being with him. So Jesus went to the desolate place and Many times he just went to, he didn't even pray. He just said, went to the desolate place, deserted place, and the people found him. And then they said, look at all these needs. But in the desolate place, it's never desolate when you're with Jesus. No matter what circumstance you're in, and doesn't mean, doesn't mean God doesn't want to heal you and bless you and change you. I mean, how many want to be changed? I want to be changed, amen. He doesn't want to, all those things. But the most important thing is knowing him, not just knowing what to do, not just knowing how to live. Not just knowing what to say. So when we look at the life of Jesus, it's not just signs, wonders, and miracles. I think we miss the, the, the he often withdrew. It. Sometimes just the scriptures and like, okay, Lord, teach us to pray. He went late at night, early in the morning. After John was beheaded, Jesus withdrew, and he was talking to the Father. And he was not praying for a miracle. He was talking to the Father because everything that we went, go through, Jesus went through. He was He was rejected. He was betrayed. He was denied. His own creation that he made did not believe him. All things were made by him, for him, through him. Nothing that was made was made without him. The Father is giving him all judgment. Jesus is going to judge everything. Why? Because the Bible says it gives you why. It doesn't always tell you why. It gives you why in this. So those that honor the Father may honor the Son in like manner. And if we're going to fight for anything, instead of fighting for the promise or fighting for this, we need to fight for our position to go into that deserted place with him. Now, you can be in a, 
I've sat in a chair, listened to worship music with my Bible, and my mind was not in a desolate place. My mind was active. But you could be lying at Walmart and withdrawn into the desolate place with Jesus. So it's not just where you are physically, it's where you are on your heart on the inside. Amen? Because like, okay, quiet time. Spend your quiet time. And Jesus did not do it to be more anointed. He didn't do it to get a sermon. He didn't do it just to be a better believer or a Christian or a better example. He did it because he loved the Father. Friends, there's a oneness that we don't understand. And when Jesus fought for that, he was busy. Jesus was busy. I'm just too busy. No, you're not. Dale Gentry, he was a radio DJ. He used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. God spoke to him and says, give me the first hour of your day and I'll change your life. And he says, God, don't you know how early I get up? I get up at 3. See, you got to pick your times. So he started getting up at 2. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to be a preacher. I've called you to be a preacher. He goes, give me the first hour of your day and I'll change your life. When we give God our time, there is nothing he does not multiply. He owes no man. When you spend time with him, and it's not just, I'm spending my time with God. I've heard it a thousand times. You can't minister unless you spend your time with It's not just about ministering. It's not about, Jesus was walking, they touched the hem of his garment, the lady got healed. He did not do it for a greater anointing. He did it because he simply loved the Father. And he knew what that deep fellowship is. And we don't. Many of us don't. Some of you do. Some of you do. But it, it, the Christian life can be believe for this promise and this need and this need. And I believe in all that. I mean, I go to Mexico and see needs, and I, 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 I want God to change things. But the number one thing is knowing him, not just seeing situations around me change. Jesus, this is a desolate place. There is no provision here. And Jesus says, I am the provision. Lord, what do you want to do? That's not what they asked him. God, do this, 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 this. So God, help us to quit telling you what to do. And we say, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want to do in this desolate place? What do you want to do when the doctor says you got cancer? What do you want to do when they say well, they want a divorce? What do you do when you say your kid doesn't feel like a boy or girl? Lord, what do you want to do? And he will tell you what to do, and then we can pray in the name of Jesus. After we spend time with the Father and we know him. See, the scribes and Pharisees knew great scripture. They probably know more word than we do. They could get up and quote scripture, but Standing before them was the very embodiment of the word, and they missed it. They didn't recognize the, the one who created him right in front of them. Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate goes, what is truth? And he walked out. It was not a question. It was a statement. Standing before the very embodiment of truth, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, what is truth? And he walked out. And we go to church and we hear the words and we go to conference and we hear the sermons, but yet we do not know him. We don't withdraw. We go to prophesy better. We go to get a stronger anointing. We go to what nation? Give me a word so I know what nation to go to. When am I going to get married? Single people, God, give me a spouse and saying, Lord, what do you want to do at this time? I want to change you and prepare you so when the seed comes, you can receive it. Lord, what do you want to do? Not do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and we call it prayer. Pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. Have you really thought, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? And I'm not talking about if you're having a sickness and cancer. God, what are you trying to teach? I'm not talking about that. No, you, there's things in the word that are very clear. Love one another. You don't need to pray, should I love my neighbor? You don't need to pray. God, make my neighbor move. Lord, what do you want to do? I want you to be an example. I recently read a story, and I just thought about this on my notes, which but Jesus said this. He goes, take my yoke and learn from me. Can we learn from Jesus the withdrawing away to a desolate place? 
And when God, have, instead of saying, how a place with no distractions? Can we withdraw to spend time with the Father? Okay, we need to know you like you. Because if you read the night Jesus was betrayed, Satan entered Judas and he left and went out in the night. And the Bible says Jesus began to teach. And if you read, I encourage you, I'm gonna give, I never give homework. I'm going to give you guys some homework. You read John 14, 15, 16, and what Jesus said when there was no Judas, when there was no Satan, he goes, I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. Show us the Father. Have I been with you so long enough? Have you seen me? You've seen the Father. Like There was like a, a hurt with Jesus because he's with those people. When we spend time, okay, God, I really know you. Then guess what? Then you'll face situations and circumstances, and you'll know what to do instantly instead of having to go to find out what to do because you'll know the one. You'll know him. You'll know him. Jesus says, I say what the Father is saying. I do what the Father is doing. He didn't go, God, what do you want to do? Okay, go ahead. Multiply fishes and loaves. Wait, hold on. Let me go to my prayer closet. I need, I need to go to quiet time. Multitudes, wait. I got to get my quiet time. Lena, I can't minister unless I get quiet. Lord, just give me a greater anointing. Give me more revelation. Give me the word. All those things. And we do that as ministers. We do that as people. We do that as husbands, wives, and kids. We do this like, God, give me an answer to this question and saying, God, let me know you and learn how to walk with you in the cool of the day. Let me walk with you in a day in and day out. Let me withdraw myself. Okay, all these things need questions. And then Jesus sent the multitudes away. We need to send the multitudes of thoughts away, distractions away, things that come in. You want to fight for your promise and victory? Fight for your going to a place with the Father. That's what we really need to fight for, right? I need, a, I need this to be answered, that to be answered. No, no, no. I need all these distractions. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard. But once you start, if it's easy. I have an active mind. I've heard people say, you know, there's times where men don't think about nothing. What do you think about nothing? I have never thought about nothing. I'm always thinking about something. I wish I had that gift of man like nothing. I wish I could think about nothing. I'm always thinking about something. There's always something. For me, quiet times, if a thought comes, I put a note. I have to put a note. So it, it goes, I have a very active mind, okay? So it's harder for me than some people. But it's worth fighting for because to know him is the greatest thing. Not to preach, not what money to make, not what business to start, not what to pray for. It's to know him. This is eternal life that you may know him, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he said. It's not eternal life to make all the right decisions or live the right life or live in a nice house. That's not, that's not being a Christian, friend. Being a Christian is knowing him. The only difference between you and your unsaved neighbor cannot be you move your car on Sunday. For many Christians, that's the only difference. There's still the same depression. There's still the same anger. There's still the same situations. The only difference is your car moves on Sunday morning. No, your heart needs to move on Monday morning towards him. Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday. I'm a Christian. I go to church. No, no. I'm a believer. I know him. They saw that they were unlearned men, but that they had been with Jesus. That's the key. They've been with him. So we want to be like Jesus and powerful and mighty. How about that we learn from him how to withdraw away? You think it was easy for him? He loves people more than you. He saw the needs. It was not his love, but it was love for the Father was greater Jesus healed people. I've heard, I was, I was watching this thing and all these healing evangelists say, why did Jesus heal people? To show his power. Show, when they were all done, I said, no, Jesus healed people because he loves people. Though he, that, they, it did all that. I mean, the greatest healing evangelist, I'm like, where did they get this answer? He loves people. 
Woman at the well. He didn't go, no, 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 wait till there's a bigger crowd before I talk to you. Go get everybody because I'm not going to waste this conversation. I got a prophetic word for her, guys. He just talked to her like she was the only one in the world. So what was Jesus doing when he was writing in the dirt? With the woman of adultery. He was always communing with the Father. Even when he prayed, he goes, Father, I don't say that for your sake. You always hear me. I say it for theirs. There's a oneness we don't understand. So he went to the wilderness to keep the oneness that he had. That's why on the cross, when the Father withdrew his presence, what always was one was no longer one. That's when Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? And then he said, into your hands I commend my spirit. Father, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. So if you're fighting for this promise, do you fight? It's time for us to fight to go to the, to the desolate place. And I say desolate to go to the place where there's no one. Let me say it like this. Go to the place where there's no one but you and God. I believe in community prayer, RPM, radical Revival prayer meetings, I believe in all that. But friends, it doesn't take the place of the one-on-one. A man and a wife who are married doesn't want everybody around. There's times it's just them two. There's an intimacy with it. Jesus walked in, and he, but he didn't just teach on it. He displayed it. So when it says he often, would, Lord, teach us to pray, because we see you go early morning, late at night. He didn't say teach us the miracles, signs, wonders. Those things come, and I believe in it. You, you, I mean, you want to prophesy better? Start reading books on the prophetic. Start, you know, you, you, even this church, you can pick things up. You, there's a lot of things. Jesus says, greater works will you do. He wasn't worried about that. But my position with the Father, you can't have. You can't have my position, you can have my works. He wasn't scared. And the cross was not a work. It was a sacrifice. So what we want is greater anointing, greater decisions, bigger business, all these things. And Jesus says, you can have that, but I'm not giving up my position at the right hand of the Father. So, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, that we will learn to withdraw. Take my yoke and learn from me. Lord, may we learn not just the power and the signs and the wonders and the revival. We believe in all that, but the withdrawing away to know you. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And Paul says, we will know him as we are known. When we get to heaven, there's, we will know him as he fully knows us, but we do not fully know him. So, Lord, I thank you for the layers and the layers and the layers that we can know you. God, I thank you. It does not matter how long we've been a Christian. There is more. I don't care how many times in church services, there's more. There's more to you. And I'm not just talking about more anointing, higher levels. No, Lord, Lord, I just thank you. There's more. There's more things you want to say. Jesus said, there's many things I want to say to you, but you can't handle them now. God, bring us to a place where we can handle what you have to say. I have many things. Some of you, he just wants to, you have so many things you need to hear. He just wants to say, I love you. I love you. I want to wash you of your past. God, I don't know what he wants to say to you, but when we get to that place where there's no distractions, we can hear our Father's voice saying good and well done. Some of you think you're going to hear condemnation or guilt. You're going to hear love. My brother, when he wasn't saved, I was, I was serving Blaine. He came here. It was at a tent meeting. My brother just sat in here. Blaine goes, can I give you a word? Prophetic word. My, my brother in front of everybody goes, no. No. 
Afterwards, Blaine comes up to me and goes, what I was going to tell you is your heart's going to burn for the nations. Now, my brother was smoking dope, sleeping with his girlfriend, driving drunk, worshiping the devil, and he didn't bring up any of that. He just told him his future. And some of us are afraid to go to that quiet place because we're going to think we're going to hear condemnation, guilt, failure, brokenness, not realizing he's going to talk about your future and he's going to change your present. We're afraid. We treat God like our father. We treat God like our mean grandpa. We treat God like the man that raised us. But we don't know he's a loving heavenly father. And he'll correct you and adjust you, yes, but it's with love. It's with pierced hands he picks you up. It's with pierced hands he guides you. Jesus knows brokenness, friends. When we get to heaven, no one will have scars. No one will have a wheelchair. But the only reminder will be Jesus will still have his scars. That'll be an eternal reminder. They're not going away for eternity. Eternity will say the one that was pierced so we don't have to be. The one that was separated so we don't have to be. And the Bible says, I will wipe every tear from their eye. It does not say they won't just be, you won't be crying no more, but he says, I'll wipe every tear from their eye with my own hands. There's a, there's a oneness and a unity, and God created many things with his word, but man and woman he created with his hands. And he got the dirt, and he made him. And then he formed woman, two different words. The Bible is so specific. He didn't speak. His hands made. And he wants to take his hands and guide your life. And he wants to change our hearts. So, Lord, I thank you for changing our hearts, God, not just changing our circumstances. Yes, we believe in healing and revival and all those things. But, God, we can be in the midst of that and still not know you, just knowing what you're doing. You can be a service and know God healed, God prophesied, God this, but not understand there was a loving father behind that prophetic word. There was a loving father that wanted to heal you and guide you. And Jesus often withdrew. So, Lord, if we're going to fight for anything, let us fight for that. Am I making sense? And some, for some of us, let me just say this, for some of us, we spend quiet times. We have our time. We have our pattern. But be open to change in that. In that. Because we have a, like, we read this book and this devotion. Be open. Lord, what do you want to do in this time? And, you know, I used to have a pattern where, I, okay, listen to more. And then I started going, okay, there's some mornings where God wants to, says, he says, just read this. Uh, listen to this. I'll wake up with songs already on my heart, and I already know he's speaking to me in the songs. I've never had that. So people go, I don't do that. You know, I've never happened to me. I don't get spiritual dreams. Let's just, Lord, what do you want to do? Those that never had spiritual dreams, Lord, what do you want to do? Some of you have never prophesied, but you can be at a conversation at Walmart and talking to somebody, and out comes a prophetic word. The other day, I, I gave a prophetic word to a lady, on the, or my AT&T lady. She's a, and I better go, this is a prophetic word. I was just talking to her, and I just felt like, you know what? She, 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 she's worked. She's my business. She does her business. She's awesome. She, I go, where do you live? She goes, Baytown. I go, there's a great church, Celebration Life. I said, are you a believer? She goes, yeah, I am. I just started talking. I said, she goes, she looked it up. She goes, Alexander. She goes, I go to this church. But it can be natural, right? And this is not like, oh, John's. There's times God says, say something. I don't say something. There's all those times, too. So this is not like, I want to be like John. No, we want to be like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, friend. Anything, any that was a great message. No, did it bring you closer to Jesus? John, that was a great sermon. Yeah, but do we apply it to bring us closer to Jesus? Three years ago, oh, he's a great preacher. Yeah, but did I apply it? I can, I can think of all the good sermons. What have I actually applied that I've listened to through all the years of the Epicenter? What have I actually applied? Not what I've liked, not what I could quote, not what I could put on Facebook. What have I actually applied? Friends, I'll tell you that right now, not enough, not enough. 
However, after Jesus healed one man, say one, he healed one man of leprosy, and he says, he fell on his face and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him and says, I am willing to be cleansed. Aren't you glad God's willing and able? He says, he charged, tell no one. Of course, he don't listen. He tells everybody. So the report went, out, went around all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. But the Bible says, so he himself withdrew into the wilderness. All those needs in Jesus, it was not love. Father, you're first. Lord, I thank you. There will always be needs. Jesus says you always have the poor. There will always be needs and distractions in your life. God, we are willing to overcome. We're overcomers, right? Say I'm overcomer. If we're an overcomer, we need to overcome those distractions that are pulling us away from the desolate place to meet with the Father. That's first. Before our promises, our marriages, our breakthrough, our kids, God, I thank you. That's first. That's what we prioritize, to be pulled away so I thank you, Lord, your spirit is pulling us away through the weeks and through the months. In Jesus' name, amen.